1: Welcome, folks, to the Absolute Return podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klimonchko. I'm joined by my co host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guest, John Carrington. John is the CEO of STEM, the market leader in AI driven clean energy storage systems. On the podcast, John discusses how STEM's business has evolved in the eight years since he joined, the competitive landscape, and what makes STEM the market leader, insights into the recent going public process. ESG, AI, and the company's growth opportunities, and more. So with no further ado, here's our discussion with STEM CEO John Carrington. We're going to be talking about STEM today, $3.2 billion market cap traded on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol STEM. Real easy to remember. Now we have STEM CEO John Carrington on the show today. Just a little background on STEM, recently went public this spring, just came out with Q2 results, reaffirmed guidance, which is great to see from a new issuer, and you recently joined the Russell 2000. So John, thanks for coming on the show. How are you today?
2: Julian, good, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here.
1: All right, perfect. I've had uh, two cups of coffee and energy drinks. I'm ready to go. Uh, Let's get into it. Uh, I wanted to first touch on your background, career history, and why you joined STEM almost eight years ago.
2: Sure. Yeah, I was uh, primarily a GE guy. I had actually spent uh, about 16 years at the company and had the pleasure to work directly really under both Jack Welch and Jeff Immelt. And they uh, really moved me around a lot of different opportunities. So I was in sales, product management, manufacturing. And then when uh, Jack Welch decided that, the center of the universe for the company was moving to Asia. They selected four leaders to go by business, and uh, over, and I moved to Tokyo for about four years at the ripe old age of I think 32. So it was a great experience and uh, really had a terrific learning uh, at my time there. And then I came back to the US and was selected to sell one of the businesses in GE. And at that time, um, we had a multitude of buyers and ended up going to a Saudi Arabian company called Sabic. This was the GE plastics business. And in the end, I uh, ended up moving from there to First Solar, which was a great ride. You know, we took that from a couple hundred million to two billion in two years. And then um, John Doerr called and said, hey, would you like to take a look at another solar technology as our CEO of a portfolio company? And I elected to do that. And we sold that business. And. Um, was introduced to the board, one of the board members here at STEM. And, you know, I joined uh, 2013 and it's been a a great run. I mean, we've hired terrific people. We've raised a lot of capital from six significant shareholders. And uh, as mentioned, we subsequently went public at uh, end of April and Happy to go into more details on it, but it's been a, been a great run and a great outcome for the shareholders and uh, employees.
1: Yeah, speaking of this great run, I was wondering, how has STEM evolved since you joined back in
2: 2013? Wow. Um, about everything. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we really changed out the entire staff. We went from, I think when I joined Julian, we had, I think, five or six sites. We're now nearly 1,000. Wow. Um, we... Basically, we're doing a single 18 kilowatt, 36 kilowatt hour product that looked like a gym locker that was would save our customers about $7,000 a year. Some of our customers gave us feedback that the contracting process would be more expensive than what you'd save me in a year. So we really had to build our own system. It was that early in the process. So we designed the inverter. We designed what the battery pack should look like. And uh, it's come a long way. You know, Now we're leading industry leader in the software platform that we call Athena. As I mentioned, significant amount of sites and you are know, with number one market share in California, which is the largest storage market to date. So it's been a remarkable run and really attributed to the, the great team that we put in place.
1: Yeah, I did notice you have emerged as the market leader. I was wondering if you could get into STEM's business model and specifically this Athena proprietary ai driven software platform how that plays a role in your business model
2: sure so just to kind of quick intro we you know we have um this artificial intelligence software that controls energy storage devices and you know these smart energy storage solutions effectively enable rapid development of renewables onto the electricity grid we also provide our customers with a complete energy storage solution. That, that really includes the integrated battery hardware and the battery optimization from this proprietary software platform that you mentioned called Athena. And it's great because all of this is integrated into providing value to our customer by reducing their energy costs, reducing carbon emissions, and stabilizing the grid. And so our customers specifically, our commercial industrial or CNI, utilities and co-ops, renewable asset owners or renewable developers. And the business model is we will go in and we have significant domain experience in a variety of markets. So we'll go into the market and we will look at the customer's load. And if it's a CNI Fortune 500 customer as an example, let's take Walmart or Home Depot. Home Depot is fine. We'll we'll do that. And uh, we'll go in and we'll put an MSA in place for specific states. So in California, we know a variety of the tariffs. We know what the wholesale markets look like. We even have utility programs with the utilities here in California that we can enroll those locations into. So from a Home Depot standpoint, they're saving money right away with, um, you know, with, with the product and lowering their, their energy costs. They're also participating in utility programs or or even wholesale market programs where they're actually generating revenue from that system that we have at their site. So if you're a CNI customer, you're saving money. You also get an ESG narrative that they're all looking for. And so that's kind of, that's the model, at least on the CNI side of the developer piece, which are your big solar developers. We actually put our systems in place. The solar developers, and I've been in that business, I was a first solar, and we did not, uh, we didn't really know much about storage and, and still probably don't care a lot about it because it's not, it's still fairly new. So we would depend on a STEM to help us understand what we would do in those markets. And that's what the large solar developers are doing today. So we'll put that system in place. We'll help them participate in markets and actually bring upwards of 30% IRR addition to those sites, which is significant. And then on the CNI side, those customers are saving up to 30%. So we put the hardware solution in place at both customers. We then put the Athena platform on. And what's great about the model is the Athena platform is contracted. For 10 or 20 years, C&I is typically 10, the solar industry is more like 20. And what's great about it is there's all these value stacking we can do. Unlike solar, you don't have that ability to really have uh, multiple value chains. It's kind of a one-trick pony, if you will. And storage has so many. So we're right now, we have seven different value chains we're monetizing today. There are 13 total. Um, And what we found that's interesting is we get into new markets, we can then Extend our value and sell more Athena products to optimize whatever that market may value and 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 provide for our customers. So it's a, a really unique model. The long tail of these residual uh, software revenues is significant. It also gives us great uh, you know revenue visibility. And if you think about a typical SaaS company, it's a one or two year contract. And you know we have twenty year. Software contracts locked down with our Athena platform, so it's um, it's very exciting. As I mentioned, we also have the ability to, uh, to add on. As I stated, also we have the ability to to participate in markets for our customers, and you know that's something that, as I said, in the, the CNI side, they're very interested in. and It's evolving, but we are you know once you're in that customer, they don't throw us out, and so we have the ability to really kind of land and expand as we talk internally.
1: And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF, symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange, provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, an estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. Buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. So historically, hardware was really the bottleneck uh, of the storage solution. And obviously, you're addressing this with, with STEM. And so how do you how do you see that changing over the next kind of five to 10 years in, in terms of where hardware used to be the bottleneck and maybe no longer will be?
2: Yeah, Mike, it's a good point. I mean, look, I would say that the reason it was the bottleneck was because of the cost, right? And so We've seen significant cost declines in batteries um, over the last five, six years. We're continuing to see it, although it has tightened a little bit, but we were seeing double-digit decline year over year for several years. And I think you've also got this very interesting um, activity going on around the uh, levelized cost of generation related to solar and wind, which is now below coal and even CCGT. So you've got a, a renewables play that's very competitive. Now, the battery costs are significantly lower. And according to Wood and McKinsey, that that adds up to a 25 times growth market, uh, representing a $1.2 trillion opportunity. So it's kind of second or third inning. It's a huge market. But that software decline, to me, is what really drives uh, the, the significance in the growth in this market. Um, and we're really... Getting the tailwind of the EV uh, capacity additions that help drive down that cost. And, you know, we with those numbers, we're not even factoring in second use, but you know, we don't we haven't even modeled that into our current forecast, I believe. After a kind of a six-year time frame and the batteries are maybe not as useful in EVs, there's certainly a use case for those uh at a grid
1: level. You mentioned some fairly big numbers, 25x growth market, 1.2 trillion dollar market opportunity. So it's just uh, big big total addressable market you got the secular tailwinds from a competitive perspective i'm sure there's a lot of well-financed and aggressive players that are you know chasing you guys down can you talk about some of your competitors and what makes stem the market leader
2: well i think you hit on it the the well financed was is an important point and it was really the driver and the decision that we made you know we had Significant amount of incoming on M and A, and we elected to go the public route because our shareholders actually felt like if we sold, this would have been a couple of years ago, then they wouldn't get that significant uplift because maybe then we were in the first inning, and so they wanted the public market alternative. We elected to do that, and now we have a balance sheet that really rivals anyone out there. Specifically on your question, we see the likes of Anell and Anji, but Anell and Anji, while they- They look like a huge company and they are. The storage piece of some of these companies is very small and they've got to go out and get their own financing. So the mothership, if you will, is not always what you see and the balance sheet isn't maybe what you would expect. So what we found is we had very large opportunities, particularly in that solar plus storage developer side. And then they would come and look at our balance sheet. Bill Bush, my CFO, would be on the phone with them, and they'd be like, "Well, wait a minute, you've got eighteen to twenty-four months of runway. That doesn't work on a twenty-year PPA, and it's hard to dispute." So now, with you know four hundred and seventy-five plus million on our balance sheet and zero debt, that concern's been inoculated, and we're seeing much larger opportunities than we did previously. And it's really one of the most exciting parts of of the outcome of this.
1: So, speaking of Going public transactions, STEM recently went public through a merger with Starpeak Energy transition this spring. So, you've been up and trading in the New York Stock Exchange for a number of months. This deal brought about 600 million. You guys are cashed up on the balance sheet. Just wondering, what is the use of proceeds? How are you going to utilize this capital?
2: You know, our view is that. The balance having a lot of cash on the balance sheet in this industry has never been a bad thing, Um, and it will really support kind of more comfort in some of these larger long-term programs, whether it's with the developers or with the utility. We'll also look to expand our Athena platform, and we'll look at some tuck-in acquisitions. You know, we anything that we feel that could further Athena's leadership, we would look at doing. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, on the supply chain side, it's interesting because of our balance sheet. In the past, we really had asymmetrical terms. I mean, we were paying for hardware six months before it ever arrived, and today those terms have dramatically changed. We feel that could be a hundred million dollars savings to the business over the next two years, and that's not even modeled in our financials today. We also think the geographic expansion is very compelling. and We have not been able to do that with the previous balance sheet. And what's also nice about the uh, previous investors is, you know, we had the likes of, you know, GE, we had RWE, Drola, Total, Constellation, Mitsui, Tomasic. I mean, these investors are all over the world. They're significant companies, and they all want to bring STEM to their local markets. And they have Obviously, an incentive to do that as shareholders still today. So we have this built-in base of, of really um, compelling investors that can help us, and highly motivated, as I mentioned. So we'll now have the balance sheet to go do some of those plays that we couldn't do before. So those are some of the use of funds, and uh, you know we, we're we're really well positioned. But having a lot of cash is is never a bad thing in this space.
1: Yeah, no doubt. One of the key. Figures that stood out to me in your investor presentation is a forecast fifty percent revenue. kegger. can you discuss some of the growth opportunities that'll help you attain that uh, you know high growth rate?
2: Sure. I mean, you know, it's interesting. We, from a commercial go to market standpoint, we elected to um, focus on channel partners, and it's been very successful for us. Uh, so, as an example, we have a we have a direct sales force. And those are STEM employees calling on Fortune 500 companies, think you know, the Walmart, Home Depot, Amazon, UPSs of the world. And then we put together what's what's called the sales channel partner, and that group goes into commercial customers. There's over 600 sales executives in that group that have been trained through STEM University, and they're out selling on our behalf. Then we have distributors; we have over 5,000 of those. The, around the United States, all selling our products, so we feel like we have multiple shots on goal at the CNI level. That business continues to grow significantly. And if you think about or read any of the you know Fortune five hundred CEO letters, it's all about ESG. Yeah. It's all about renewables. So we got a lot of tailwind there on the developer side. There's the small. What we call small generation and large generation, we've been very good in the small side. Let's call that 25 megawatts and below. Now we're getting into larger opportunities with our balance sheet. Both of those markets are growing at nearly 50%. So we are uh, in a very good spot. We have the software in place to handle both of those markets, and we feel like we're uh, you know from a from a market sorry from a revenue standpoint. And EVITA, et cetera. We've, you know, reaffirmed our numbers for 2021. We're getting great visibility into 2022 now, based on our bookings, and feel great about next year. So, you know, I, I, you know, one of the things you mentioned on the, on the kickoff was good to see you meet the numbers and and affirming reaffirming your uh, your commitments. And we're big on that. That's the GE and me and our team. we we'll, we we are committed to what we say we're going to go do and go do it.
1: That's really important for investors, is especially a newly public company. I see some of these, you know, miss their guidance, and it's just a disaster. And it takes a while for them to build up investors' trust or regain investors' trust. So it's certainly off to the right. But the other thing that is notable, you guys went public by a SPAC which allowed you to go uh, hit the tap the public markets relatively quickly. You raised a large amount of capital as well. And I should note, it's one of the best performing companies uh, in terms of share price performance that went public via SPAC. What did you think of the SPAC process now that you've completed it?
2: Well, I was a big seller on SPACs, candidly. Um, we probably had the first outreach in March. And <clears throat> I was more inclined to just keep doing what we were doing. Um, and go traditional public route eventually when, when it made sense. Now, you're in the heart of COVID. I mean, it was uh, you know an interesting time. This was March 2020, I guess. So, um, And then a little while later, I started to get come around to it. And bigger and bigger banks were calling us. We have a good relationship with Morgan Stanley and Green Tech Capital, which is now Nomura. And they were both advisors on a variety of things. And they said, yeah, you ought to take a look at this. So I put together some criteria on what I wanted to see, and we you know, we only talked to three SPACs out there. And one of them uh, ended up going to a, a large EV charging company that's also done well, and they were very candid about that. Another one wanted cash flow EBITDA today, that wasn't us, and then finally Star Peak. So we um, and again I, I had the whole document of criteria around it because I really wanted very smart money that had a significant following and uh sticky money and magnetar certainly had that i mean they are exceptional they're an incredible partner to us mike morgan on the other side from you know kinder morgan very deep domain experience in the energy side as well as you know the PreCourt institute at stanford so has kind of the traditional energy side as well as the the new and up and coming technology so um and mike's on the board morgan as well as adam daly from magnetar so it couldn't have been better i think both sides would agree to that and we're having a great really having a great time now with the capital we have being prudent on where we want to go with it but it's just such a incredible relationship that we have and i look forward to many many years of success together and you know i think that uh can really help us be better and and probably vice versa so we're we're excited I, i really cannot think of a better partner but it's kind of been like the company for many years you know we the, the investors that we brought on were very significant to our success. And so this is continuing into the next chapter and I couldn't be happier about that.
1: In terms of the next chapter, certainly growing public is a massive step change in the progression of the business. What specifically uh, are some of the advantages that brings to STEM in terms of now being public?
2: I think the balance sheet obviously is a big one. I think the other thing is, is you... You know, you you talk to utilities or customers. You get, I think there's just a more uh, maybe more of a trust or confidence that you know you're public. You've got a three billion plus dollar market cap. That certainly brings them confidence and surety that you'll be there in the long run versus kind of a startup company in California. I think the other thing that's nice is it really gives you a bigger seat at the table on the regulatory side, which is clearly important in this space. I think uh, the storage industry in general could. Step up their game. You've got a lot of focus in solar. Having done solar and storage, I see the differences. So I'm, I'm going to make a commitment to spend more time on the legislative side, both at the state and federal level, and, um, and see what we can make happen there. But I think those are a few of the things that we see. And just, you know, the ability for us to now go internationally and have name recognition is very important.
1: And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy to use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Earlier on, you mentioned a couple of pretty well-known operators being Jack Welch and John Doerr. As well, you kind of also mentioned that the GE in you, where there's that real desire and, and ability to meet guidance if you're going to set numbers out to the public, that you're going to meet that. So that's kind of a takeaway from the GE side. What about on John Doerr? What were some of the takeaways in, in working with him on a portfolio company?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I have the utmost respect and and uh, John, John. He was uh, and is still a, a great friend. He is a remarkable investor. I think from John, he was probably the most customer-centric individual. That's a big statement because Jack Welch certainly was. Um, They're very similar, very customer centric. I think the other thing that John did very well was he really focuses on not only the CEO and success of the CEO at the company, but the broader view of, look, if you're a Kleiner portfolio company, your family, and by the way, your family's family. I'll give you a quick story. When I was hired, um, I went over to Kleiner, stayed across the street, walked across the street to Kleiner. I walked in to get my... uh, uh, to review the offer from John. And the first thing he said is, where's your wife? Because we had dinner the night before with the board. And I said, well, should I? He said, well, this is a family discussion. Let's bring her over here. And that's the kind of guy he was and is, I mean, it's, it's remarkable to have her sitting there as he's presenting the offer, which may not have been a good idea. She was a career wall streeter and actually started pushing back on a few things. So <laughs> maybe he regretted that idea, but in the end, uh, very customer-centric, very focused on you know really what he can do to help and went above and beyond on several occasions to make sure that Mia Soleil was a success. And yeah, you know, I got to tell you, I'd I'd go work at any company in the future that he was involved with or be on a board for him if I could help him in any way. He's just a remarkable individual.
1: Speaking of that, you do have a number of uh, big name. Uh, backers in terms of investors of stem but now that you're up in trading uh, you get new investors basically every day in the market i was wondering how investor feedback has been and have you seen most of the interest from esg focus investors
2: yeah well i would say look to, to the point earlier um everybody's pretty happy. I mean, things are things are going well. Um, we're meeting our commitments. And I think the feedback is, you know, very good. The investor level is, it's a mix, you know. I mean, you've got some large institutional, you have ESG, a lot of ESG focus out of Europe. Hmm. Um, I think that'll continue. You know, we're spending time with a variety of analysts. We have Four analysts that have picked up coverage on the company. And you know, that's an important metric for us to make sure that we have good coverage uh, on, on the company and the space in general. But I would say um, the retail side is also really picked up, you know, and and I think that's a little different uh, structure to, to communicate with that group, but it's it's a powerful, a powerful group of investors. So, you know, we'll we'll continue to address um, and talk to all of those stakeholders as best we can and Again, I think if the results continue to be what they what they are and what we expect them to be, then it should it should continue to be some very good discussions. And what I do like about some of our investors is they call us and come to us with interesting ideas. I mean, there's some that say, "Hey, look, have you thought about this acquisition, or are you are you thinking about this different market?" And you look, I I appreciate that input and that feedback because you know they're they kind of have a different lens. We're heads down running the company every day and. They're looking at different investment opportunities, maybe more broadly than we have time to do at this point.
1: So say a long-term investor would be looking at STEM stock and was wondering, looking 10 years out, what is the vision for the company? Where do you see STEM moving over the long-term?
2: Well, 10 years is a big number, especially when I feel like we're kind of in the second or third inning. I mean, our our model would say, you're moving much more towards software and um we want to do that you know from a gross margin standpoint software is not inflationary uh our model has you know hardware gross margins coming down but in 2026 we're you know from a pro forma gross margin standpoint 50 50 um on um on gross margin dollars and that's nearly 500 million dollars so there'll be a lot of software um and i think in 10 years we'll be much more software even than that i mean the 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 ideal situation for STEM is to take the Athena platform and it becomes the operating system for all energy storage globally, right? Think of Microsoft's operating system. That's that's what I'd like to see this company be. Today, our customers need the hardware and the software. Tomorrow, I think the software has Athena embedded in it, and it's a pure software play, but you know, we're, we're still building out this market. Our customers need the fully wrapped solution. So we're going to continue to bring that to them today. And in fact, our Model 326 doesn't comp- contemplate software only. But I would add, we've won the largest software only RFP that was put out. It was in Southern California, 85 sites, 350 megawatt hours. And we were up against 10 other potential suppliers. And the investors that owned it, had acquired it from Macquarie and they were not happy with the performance. We replaced it within 60 days, and we're at 30% better savings and performance to those customers, and we did a press release around that. So it's a real attribute that we can put Athena on top of existing hardware, so we'll continue to do that. But today, 100% of our hardware comes with Athena attached. Tomorrow, hopefully, it's embedded, and we're now operating those systems and executing whatever market participation and revenue streams we can with that software.
1: Now, prior to wrapping things up, John, I want to put you on the spot head to head. Who's the better CEO, Jack Welch, Jeff (laughs) Immelt? (laughs) Oh,
2: that's that's a good question. They're very different. I think Jack was, uh, Jack encouraged you to challenge him. And if you didn't, it would not serve you well in your career, which is uncomfortable when you see Fortune 500 CEO of the, of the year or century or whatever he'd been, uh, you know, staring at you and, and really challenging your idea. Um, Jeff was more of a collaborative. He, he wanted to hear kind of everybody talk about it. And, and kind of he, he had the edge to make the call, but it was a more collaborative discussion, I'd say. Um, I also think that Jack was more... Uh, let's go get it done and then announce it. And Jeff, I think, got out ahead of things a little bit. And here's what we're going to go do. I prefer the Jack method a little bit more. My style is to to go out and get it done and then report what we did as opposed to these big vision ideas that that are maybe not attainable. So look, I learned a lot from both of them, very high regard for both. And you know, it was a tough run for Jeff at the end. And I think in most situations people probably aren't as great as people think and not as bad as people think and there's two sides or you know jeff just had some tough timing buying a lot of companies at the peak of ong had it been the trough and it went to the people would be talking about him being the smartest guy in the world so it was a timing problem and you know he's on to other things with nea i know and doing some good stuff out there so Great guys. Very fortunate to work for both and all the leaders. I mean, There's such talent at GE. It's just a, it's a remarkable company that I had the fortunate opportunity to spend as much time as I did and as young as I was to learn from
1: everybody. Well said. Well, John, thank you for coming on the podcast today. For investors interested in learning more about STEM, I encourage you to check out the uh, Q1 and Q2 results, which came out as a public company, as I indicated, reaffirming guidance in the second quarter, recently joined the Russell 2000 Index. So you guys are off to a great start and we wish you the best of success. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast, Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.